brother! And welcome everyone to our spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantum Mania, the phase five kickoff of the MCU. I think it's gonna be an exciting one to talk about. I yeah. had a roller coaster of emotions oh, myself watching the movie. Okay. Absolutely. I feel like I've got some good, I've got some bad. So I'm ready to just like hash it all out, dive on in and discuss Quantum Mania. All right, Ben, heading into the movie, did you have any, did you have any like expectations for this going in, knowing it's like a new phase, sort of like knowing the future a little, like what the titles are coming down the line? All right, so I, I do think that's, I think it's a really good question. Cause I will say overall lately, especially compared to like the Infinity Saga towards the end there, where I was just like loving like movie yeah. after movie and everything was mind blowing. <laughs> and it was just always like, how could the stakes get any higher? Right. Um, I definitely felt like the MCU through phase four basically had just cooled off. Um, mm -hmm. I did Spider-Man. I could never remember where Spider-Man falls into the mix there. That was definitely the highlight for me from like yeah. the most recent like backlog of of everything. But that yeah, being Spider said- Spider-Man No Way Home, right? Yes. Yeah, No Way Home was the, with Doctor Strange. Right. All that, yeah. That was, um, I think that was the highlight for me as well for phase four. For phase four. But yeah. that being said, phase four had a bunch of stuff going on that I kept going into the movie thinking like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be the next biggest thing. Cause there was, there was Spider-Man, which I do think was amazing. There was yep. Multiverse of Madness. There was Wakanda Forever. Loki, WandaVision. Yes, like, and yeah. it was, I definitely think, and, and probably from like a, overall um, like directive standpoint, there was there was the big issue following Thanos, which was basically like, what is bigger threat than Thanos? And right. you almost needed to let the stories become more small scale for a little while in order to like ramp yourself back up in the audience to like, the absolute mind blowingness. Right. And like they're trying to like reset like a new group of heroes like here like they're introducing a lot of people as well. Yes. So and it's a lot of a lot of origin stories again. Right. So yeah. so that being said though, there was a couple of other things that like I've been like a little bit like wavering on, which is that like in the original three phases of the MCU, you had like Nick Fury and uh, Robert Downey Jr. as um, Tony Stark, who I almost said Tony Hawk for some reason. <laughs> Tony <Yeah>. Hawk, Avenger. <laughs> totally like rips. Yeah. Yeah. But I felt like they were these like um, figureheads that did a really, really, really good job of showing up everywhere. They were sort of like the like the post-credit scenes and then you had yeah. Thanos showing up in the post-credit scenes. And so like you, you kind of knew like the major, major players. And then as we've moved forward, like you had um, Spider-Man Far From Home where there's like a big, like Peter struggling like with, you know, how to become like, or who he is like without having like Tony anymore. Right, yeah. And he's got like the whole moment where he like, you know, he's is making doing the thing, suit. he's making the suit and yeah, Happy's watching him. He's like, you're the next Iron Man, oh my gosh. I know, and you're like, yeah. Easy. I know. That would be so cool. Like, like he does that, and then like two minutes later, he like drops onto the bridge, and he's like holding this hammer thing and holding something else as a shield, and you're like, Peter is everything. Peter is the best of them. Yes. You know, it's like it's like it's. Uh, it feels very much like it's calling back to like one movie ago in Endgame when Cap and Tony and Thor are fighting Thanos, and now it's like now Peter's doing all three at the same time. Yeah, but, like, but, he's, but he's still like you know like he's still so like young yeah. as well. So it's yeah. like it's like there's no difficulty in me understanding like what that arc looks like as time goes on. Like right. as you watch him like grow and develop and sort of go through like the trials and tribulations of becoming like a leader of these other like superpowers. 
our characters. Right. And then you've also got like Doctor Strange, who of course shows up in No Way Home. Yeah, he's sort of been like a little bit of the touch point person. It, it seems yes. like they've been using, yeah, like Wong and Doctor Strange, just be like, yeah, we're just kind of everywhere. Yeah, like they can they we're can very Shang easily, Chi. right. They yeah, can very easily show up. They've got the portal ability. So it's like pretty much at any point in time, it's not hard to figure out how or why they would be there. And they're sort of like looking after Earth and all the rest of everything. So yeah, it's like, like even in Ragnarok, like he like as soon as Loki shows up, he's like, Voop. <laughs> I'm afraid not, sir. We're watching out for you. So it's like there's like an established like he's watching everything. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So but then I don't know. There, there's like there is these pieces of continuity so far in this in this next major installment of the MCU. And so I think like with Quantumania being such a big one because like Kang is showing up like proper, proper. Yeah. Not like just like what we saw at the end of Loki, which I loved. Yeah. Um, but like this is like the true introduction of like the villain to the MCU. Like, right, like not before. everyone watched Loki. Yeah, so it's like <clears throat> we, we now know the villain is Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Like that, that like is beyond a shadow of a doubt. But then you're also wondering like, okay, so does that make like Scott the figurehead? Because like, Scott, as absolutely lovable as he is, doesn't sort of have that like like aura about him that somebody like Tony Stark did, where it's like right. you can understand innately how Tony could like walk in and own the room, like own the room. Right. Um, I mean, they weren't like maybe even not setting Scott up to be a little bit bigger deal. Like you always get the feeling when Tony wasn't Iron Man, he was still like doing tons of stuff off screen. Right. To like better the world. And like, there's a whole conversation right at the beginning of this movie with Scott and his daughter, Cassie. And he's like, you know, where she's just like, kind of like disappointed that he's not doing more. Right. Like he wrote yes. a book yeah. and, he, and he's like, uh, I literally saved the world. What do you want me to do? And he's like, yeah, you did. Now, what are you doing? Which to me also, I will say like, uh, I, that might be what they're setting up, but I also felt like it made Cassie kind of unlikable in the moment. Uh, there was, yeah, I, I, I had an issue. So this is basically what I wrote down right away. So if we want to actually dive into the, the review proper now that we're like several minutes in. Sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you were to break the movie into like three simple pieces, yeah. so you have beginning, middle, and end. Right. Um, I think that on the whole, like the beginning of this movie, I was pretty frustrated. Yeah. I, I think that like, yeah, like the introduction of the characters, I felt like, yeah, they have Scott sort of like taking these steps back in becoming like a little bit like, you know, self-indulgent in the wake of being like a, like a world famous Avenger. And he's like really just like soaking in everybody on the street, giving him a high five. And mm -hmm. he's making appearances and reading from his book and doing all these things. But like, then he's also um, like, still maintaining like the spe spectacular relationship like with Hope, you know, and they're going and having like takeout dinner, you know, like with their suits on and everything on top of the Golden Gate Bridge. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh man, how great is that? Like that's still going well. And then it's like, oh, but then there's Cassie who like has now grown up completely and who he doesn't really know anymore. And it's like, she's been to jail multiple times. And how did I not know this? And you've been working on this like quantum realm locator in the basement, like yeah. with all of my family. And no like, one told me. It's like yeah. the whole, Scott's whole saga, everything is resolved revolved around Cassie. And it's like, I, to me, I was just like, I feel like it's a bit of a departure for the character that I was sort of like, like I can't see him maintaining everything else so well. And then like Cassie's the line. Yeah, like sudden. where he like, like has this like, yeah, little, little more broken relationship. Right, and in, yeah. even so like the, the other piece of it too, and I'm, I'm gonna like go from the beginning to like just the very, very end for just a brief second, and then we'll, we'll scoot back. But like at the very end of the movie, you have the scene uh, where they like are, they all go out to dinner and Cassie walks in and it's like, happy birthday. And she sits down and she's like, it's not my 
birthday. And he's like, yeah, but you know, I missed a few. Yeah. And it's like, it's like this whole thing as if like, the reason he missed a few was because he was off being world famous and signing books and stuff like that. Not because he was locked inside of the quantum realm with no ability to escape. Right. Like, it's like, Scott wasn't, you know, the reason he was he was an absentee father wasn't because what they were otherwise setting up, like he wasn't out gallivanting around, like right, yeah. basking in the glory of his own awesomeness. It's like, he was trapped. He was like, trapped with the solution. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, it's like, you know, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I, I mean, I understand, like, I mean, no part of me thinks that it could be even remotely easy to have had that much time away and missed it, that much of your child's, yeah. like, development. It didn't growth. seem like she was mad at him for not being there, though. Maybe not, but, but like, it seemed like the movie was, like, treating him like, you should have been there. Something like yeah. that. Like, like that, that was almost, like, the vibe I was getting, that, like, him and Cassie's relationship had sort of been, like, become taut over time because she had, like, grown into herself and clearly become, like, extremely capable and, like, doing all of these, um like, you know, things for good in the world, like kind of being right. like her own small scale superhero. Right, yeah. Um, but like without them being on the same page. So anyway, there was a little bit of that that I felt like I was kind of like, I don't really like, I don't know if I like super follow. I feel like maybe there's a world where they just could have been pals anyway. Um, the other one was the way that Hank uh, continued to sort of like uh, treat Scott a little bit like the like salty father-in-law, which, sure. which I felt like is like, like Hank, it's it's been a minute. Like I understand the beginning of this whole thing. He's like an ex-con who doesn't really know what's going on. He's spending a little bit too much time with your daughter. Well, but Hank recruits him. Right? He does recruit yeah. him, but he's also like they're always a little bit like, especially in the beginning. Both Hope and Hank sort of like look at him and are like, "Really, you're our person, huh?" Mm -hmm. Like it's like that eye roll type thing. Right. So like even the fact like Hank is like a little bit like undermining Scott and the, like the idea of like, I've just been helping her, you know, she was interested in my papers. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know, there's, there's a little bit of that going on. Um, and then finally I got to Janet Van Dyne, uh, obviously who has spent an enormous amount of time in uh, the quantum realm. Janet Van Dyne, who was pulling the whole, don't say the name of the Dementors for half the movie. Yes, I felt like- Oh my like, gosh. Okay. so. On the whole, here's my feeling on Janet. It's because I was like, I was like, I understand completely. She spent a huge amount of her life in this like otherwise separate universe. Basically. Where yeah. she's existed for a long period of time. And without a doubt, ended up having a complete life of her own down there, had to fend for herself, probably didn't think there was ever ever any chance of leaving. Yeah. Um, what have you. Extremely traumatic situation. And even on the outside, I can I can understand completely a world where it's like, I don't want to talk about it, okay? Like I'm, I did things down there that like I'm not proud of. I did things down there that I thought I would never have to like, you know, be on this side and like look back on. Right. It was dangerous. It was scary. It was like fending for your life all the time. I don't want to talk about it. So it's it's one of these things where I feel like what they're trying to set up is like, how is it possible that she spent so much time down there and the rest of the people in her direct family have no idea what she was doing? Right. But then once they get sucked in and the inevitable has now happened, at this point in time, I sort of got the vibe that like she was a college student and her parents came to visit for the weekend and she sort of had this like, I'm too cool to show my parents around the school type of situation. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the dining hall. <clears throat> Pay attention, okay? What else would it be? Why would people be walking out of there with food boxes? Right? You know, and it's like, it's like, these are not like scrubs. These are not like average Joes. They are like superheroes who have put their lives on the line before. And it's like, I felt like they were stretching the plot 
in the name it, of not having Janet explain to them, like, no, you're absolutely right. Like it was very much like there was they 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 refused to refer to Kang by his name right. other than just he, him or the Conqueror for like so much of the movie, and right. it's like which was sort of like a weird choice because you're right. There's a, there wasn't like a reason not to say his name. Like he's not Voldemort, right? You no, know? he's also in like, the previews. He's, he's in the previews, and he's bit. I mean, I guess they haven't called him Kang proper on screen. Yeah. Like in Loki or anything. Sure. But like, like no, no one's going in not knowing who Kang is for the most part. And there's not like a reason for them to not be saying the name. Like it, it very much, it always, it just, it kept reminding me of like reading Prisoner of Azkaban where like up until Harry and friends are on the train, they keep being like, those Azkaban gods will be the one to catch black. And right. it's like, like, why won't you just say Dementors? And after, after the word Dementor is revealed, no one refers to them as the Azkaban guards again. It's just like, it's, it's, like, it's just always Because that just makes more sense to just call them Dementors. It's just like, 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 there was so much of just like, I won't tell you, let me just, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you in a minute. And it's just like, uh, you don't have to even tell them a lot. You can give them full details in a minute. You can be like, there is an evil empire ruling guy here who I used to be trapped with. He is hunting me because he needs pin particles to escape. Like, that's all you had to say. And like, okay, so now just follow me until I have time to explain. Yeah, no, like, I, yeah. Not, not, the, not the least with like a bit of all of that being important because Hank Pym, who is one of the people who she's not explaining it to, invented Pym Particles. Oh, I know. It's oh, like, on this note, Ben, I don't know how it is that Kang can't invent Pym Particles. I had this exact same thought right? in my mind. It was like, it's like, at the end of the day, it's like Hank is like a super genius and all that. And, and I mean, there's probably a little bit of the like, um, you know, Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. Right, right? yeah, it's like, like no, no one else can build the arc reactor the same way, even when they're studying it. Right, and, yeah. and even like prior to being in the cave itself, Tony, they have an arc reactor back at back home and they've yeah. never used it for anything. And it was, you know, they, they say it was like a publicity stunt or whatever, that's why right. they did it. And then the fact that like, you know, Tony is then like with rudimentary tools and like this, you know, stressful atmosphere where he just underwent like major chest surgery is able to successfully build the thing. It's like, I guess, I guess what they're trying to tell you is like, they're just that smart. Like that's just, that's just, right. it's like, I don't know how else to tell you that like Hank can do it and, and Kang can't. Right. With all of his other worldly powers and technology and being centuries yeah. ahead and everything. He can build this neurokinetic ship and uh, you know, yeah, invent his like suit and every iteration of him is smart enough to discover the multiverse and want to rule it. Yeah. But none of them are capable of inventing, well, at least this version isn't capable of inventing the Pym Particles too. Uh, get it out. Right, yeah. So I, I definitely agree. I felt like I was like, that was like one of those things that was like, that's just sort of like a, a random whatever. But I, I think I can even, I think I can it's even, fine. yeah, get yeah. past that. Um, but so then you, you're inside of this world and I felt like still, I would say we're still in the beginning. So for, for reference sake, I said beginning, middle and end. In, right. in my mind, we're still in the beginning. We're still in the setup. We're still understanding like what all is going on. Um, Janet continues to sort of be this like bad tour guide of, you know, the quantum realm and refuses to let Hope and Hank in on anything that would be helpful in saving their lives in the event that they needed to do something like that. Right. They end up going to the bar where I felt like there was the, like, I would call it an incredibly gratuitous inclusion of uh, Bill Murray. Do, yeah, the Bill Murray thing, it was like, it, I mean, he was funny for sure. But it was like the whole time he was on screen, I was just like, that's Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, I, I, 
And I think I think I was even more okay with it when I realized that he was like a flash in the pan type of like. Yeah, he wasn't like a yeah like a big uh, a mainstay character. The whole thing. Right. Like you get to the end of um, who's Kit Harrington's character going to be? Is the um, oh the um, the Black Knight? The Black Knight. Yes. Yeah. So like you know like like at some point in time we've had like the Black Knight introduced as like this will be important at some point in time. We've literally heard nothing else about it ever since. Uh, then at the end of is it also at the end of Eternals where um, Harry Styles comes in and. Yep. Like Thanos's brother. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, ooh, who is that? Like, what could that possibly be? Never heard from him again. You know, and so like when you see Krylar show up, it's like, ah oh, man, is this like another one of those characters where it's like, this guy's gonna be like super, oh no, he was just eaten by his own hors d'oeuvres. Well, I think even the way he showed up and almost the way he was acting, and even like the kind of actor they got to play him, felt very much like the um like the Jeff Goldblum character in Ragnarok. I would you say know? you're right. Like, I think, I think. That's a very, very, very good comparison where it was just like a lot of fun to see Jeff Goldblum, like be Jeff Goldblum and right. be silly because it was like, he was so formidable, but also still obviously Jeff Goldblum the yeah. whole time. Um, that's a really good comparison. Oh, I you. still think Ragnarok's version of it was more entertaining. Oh and, yeah. And to me it was like, otherwise it was like, we need a way to get them a ship. So, so this guy, Bill Maher is going to show up and then we'll just kill him. And then, we'll, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, which then led me to my, my last, I think, general piece of um, sort of like, like just Janet frustration, I guess, in general, which was like, you know, they get in the ship and she's like, Hank, drive us or whatever. And then, of course, is like, it's like, there's no way, like you've lived out in the real world as well. You understand. I know you understand that those jelly controls aren't obvious. Aren't obvious, it's right. Like, it's like, throw Hank a bone a little bit here, okay? Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> Those are the controls. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then of course, Hank just becomes like a master of it in no time, so no big deal. No big deal. Um, so all, all of that, I think, yeah, is kind of like the, the rough, beginning and i would say for the most part i was sitting there and i was like am i am i being too nitpicky am i just being frustrated am i was i worried coming in about like the state of the mcu and all the rest um and i think that also if we if we pair back to your original question which was that like um what were your expectations coming mm -hmm. in and like is this going to be like the next like avengers like level event i mean we're introducing kang is like scott going to be like the new tony stark like all these pieces and i think pretty much after all of that I shifted gears and just started treating it like an Ant-Man movie yeah, and not as like Infinity War. Right. You know? And I think once that shift like sort of like locked into place, it almost to me felt like the movie caught its pace entirely. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm with it now. It's like now you've got like Darren coming back as Modoc, which was like, yeah. like cringy and weird, but also like, it was like, they didn't shy away from how cringy and weird it was. Yeah. So like by the end of it, like when Cassie, you know, punches him in the face and he's got like this horrendous broken nose and yeah. he's like spitting up goo and all this <laughs> stuff. Like, or you see his like tiny little like butt, <laughs> you know, my boy gun. Yeah. It was just like, okay, they just went for it. It's fine. They're just like, going for it. Like I, like, I would even say it actively doesn't look good. But that's like sort of the point. It's sort of the point. Yeah, I, could, um, yeah, I thought Modoc was really, it was, a, was an interesting thing because I, I could not quite like at first they're doing the same they're doing the same thing with like the the Dementor treatment where they're like the hunters after him and you're like oh the hunter but then he shows up and it's like oh it's Modok okay right, cool yeah. he's this big, like dangerous guy but then he keeps flipping his hood up and being gross and like <laughs> as soon as the hood's up he's like hey it's me Darren <laughs> hey Hank 
So remember me, I'm your, I was your protege. It was like, are you trying for him to be scary and dangerous? Or is he supposed to be like the butt of every joke? I think he's or, supposed to be the butt of every joke. Yeah. That was, I felt like they gave him, um, if all of Modoc's time on screen, let's just hypothetically call it 20 minutes of, of total screen time. Mm -hmm. I would say that for the first three minutes, he was pretty formidable. And then for the, the last 17, he was he was the butt of the joke. Yeah, basically. Um, so with was, your baby arms, man. <laughs> I'm just now noticing that. Yeah. <laughs> You got me arms. Yeah, Modoc. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I thought, I thought that was fun. Uh, you start getting a little bit of like an introduction to the world that exists down here in the quantum realm, which uh, I think especially has like a really, I, I thought it was a really fun scene um, overall where Cassie and um, Scott are together and they're like going in and there's like all this like alien language going on and you like like flash over to Cassie and she's got what looks like like blood dripping down her face and she's like drink the goo and you're like am I in a fever dream right yeah, now I know. like what is Scott even seeing what he thinks he's seeing oh like, I know yeah and you know like the whole thing like takes place and you uh, you ultimately end up like with the thing they're chanting is Drink, drink the, the goo, goo, drink the goo. And I mean, movies do this. I think Avatar just recently did the exact same yeah. thing where they were sort of like, okay. it's like, let's explain why they speak English uh, so that the audience can like, understand know what it saying, yeah. and we don't have to invent a new language and everything. And it's just sort of like, it's like, there's this really hilarious goo creature who basically just like, allows them to speak the language. Yeah, just drink, just drink the goo and then you can, everything will sound like English. Got it? Cool, moving on. Yeah, um, yeah. that that character in particular, I, oh, I thought the holes. was- The holes. The, the holes conversation, <laughs> that was really, really funny. Uh, and then you have um, Quaz come out, which is William Jackson Harper's character, or Cheaty, if you've ever watched The Good Place. Yeah. And he's like, how many holes do you have? And then he walks out and he's like, he has seven. seven. And then you see Scott sort of being like, yeah. yeah, that's right, seven. <laughs> that's seven. Um, uh, I, honestly, I thought a whole lot of that was like a very funny, very lighthearted. It reminded me of uh, Luis from, you know, the first couple the of- The first couple. Oh, but there was no Luis in this movie. I know, the, the, mm -mm. the, mm -mm. they didn't get the band back together again. Get the band back which, together. I thought, I honestly thought Luis was gonna be like the post-credit scene. 100%. Yeah. I thought what they were gonna do was have him like sitting outside of Baskin Robbins. They're gonna be like eating ice cream and Luis is gonna be like, so let me get this straight. You go to, yeah. and then Cassie does this. Like, yeah, you know, exactly what I thought was gonna happen. It's just gonna be like, thank you guys, thank you. You knew we wanted it. Yeah, yeah, you gotta put it in there. Come on, it's an Ant-Man movie, all right? Right, all right? yeah, all right? gotta have the crew, gotta have yeah. the crew. Uh, but unfortunately, that that didn't end up being in didn't there. Have it. Nope. Um, I, I thought there was a bunch of rumors going around, I suppose it's not disproven, but that uh, the character of Quaz was going to be uh, Reed Richards, which I actually, I had never like considered that casting before, but mm. I was also like, that would be way fun. Like, that I, would be fun. It seems like he has a different power, like the just add, like uh, mind reading to Reed Richards? I, I mean, I would say that based on what we saw, I think that right now that it's it's almost like the everybody is Mephisto thing. Yeah. I think that that's a lot of like what's going on. No, right, with, yeah. Who like, is Reed Richards? Who is yeah. Reed Richards? Everyone wants to know. Right, like the Fantastic Four is eminent. It's it's yeah. coming. The we know movie it's coming. is going to be there. No announcements have been made about that casting. They did the John Krasinski thing. Yeah, and, like, are they going to follow through with it? Are we going to do it? Are you right. John Krasinski? Or is it going to go a completely different direction? Right, and that's just like yeah. one of those like big like winks 
for the audience because they were like, everybody's been asking us to do John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And we did it. And there you go. And he got ripped to ribbons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like end of story. Seconds. Yeah. Didn't even get it. to fight. That's it. <laughs> right. Yes. It's like good times. Good yeah. times. Um, so anyway, where do we go from there then? So we, basically Cassie and Scott are in. Yeah, we um, arrive in the quantum realm. Everyone kind of gets separated. Yep. Um, Scott and Cassie immediately get captured by Kang and the other three have to hunt him down. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess that's the other big thing too, is like, let's talk about Jonathan Majors for a second. Yeah. Because as much as I've dogged on Janet, I do think that there is a duality to her her presence from Michelle Pfeiffer's like, uh, like job in this movie. And I would say that as much as that first chunk of the movie, uh, Janet character that we had, Every single time her and Jonathan Majors were on together, I was like, better, instantly better. Mm -hmm. I really loved like the scenes that they were having, like in the beginning where he like crash lands and they're having like the conversations where they're sitting and talking to each other and like, let's get to work and all of the rest this of that. thing. I'm going to save you. Yes. Yeah. Um, talking about like before about how like Scott, <clears throat> he doesn't have that like aura like necessarily yet that, yeah. uh, you know, that Tony Stark has. I think Kang, Jonathan Majors, like 100% does. Oh, for sure he does. I mean, they're like, I've noticed this even in like just the, like the trailers for Creed 3, where he's going to be like the, you know, the bad guy boxer or whatever. But he is like, like uniquely capable of going from this like charismatic smile to like, I'm going to kill you. Yes. And like, like, I don't know how he's doing it, but he does it like a lot and it is so effective. Yes. Like, <laughs> dead. Like, and like, yeah, he's pulling it off a lot in this movie too, where he comes off and he's charming and nice. And then it's like, you're about to die. Yes. And uh, I will be taken seriously. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's he, like, it's very good, like facial acting. I think you're. I think that's yeah. exactly what it comes down to with him. Yeah, he's he's got like a, a very expressive face, and he's he's almost got like a very contagious smile. Too. Yeah. It's like, so it's like when he's smiling at you, you're like, oh, yeah. so nice. He so seems nice. great. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, man! Like oh, I man. got the end when him and Scott are fighting. He's punching him. I'm like, I'm like in my mind, I'm like, Paul Rudd just broke his face. I know. Is dude, someone is someone gonna come on? I don't scene? know what kind of like like editing or acting or whatever because like they were clearly doing something to make him like punch and move faster than possible right like were they like, like, are those like like yeah. tiny little like adjusted like speed ramps or something yeah like i don't that? know because like, it wasn't like you know it wasn't like some sort of like you know flash type punching where it just looks like a blur or something it looked like that's just how fast he goes yes yeah but it was just yeah and the punch they looked so hard yes like yeah. man it, it looked it looked very it looked very intense and i think that his 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 presence especially because because like, really, I think what we ultimately discovered with with Quantumania is that I think we've only really seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Kang as no, well. Yes, but also what I thought was a little bit frustrating was, well, first of all, here, one of my expectations going into the movie was whether or not I thought Ant-Man was going to like win. Okay. Like, defeat yeah. Kang at the end. Because like, you sort of know Kang is gonna be the ongoing villain for the MCU for a little while here. And so you sort of know he's trapped and he's like got this deal going with Scott and all that's in the trailers. And it's like, I I really thought going in that there was a solid possibility that Kang does not lose this movie. Right. Like, especially there's like, or, or is not fully defeated by the end of it. And you know, there is like a bazillion other Kangs, but the weird thing about it was that like, all the other Kangs are like the council of Kangs you see at the end or whatever yeah. are like, all of them have decided that this Kang in the quantum realm was 
so bad that they needed to exile him. Right. Which makes it seem like the Kang we saw in this movie was in fact the worst one. It, yes, and you know? so then, then you're then you're forced to ask that question of like, well, if this is the worst, like one. the worst one, and, and he lost to just a single Avenger, yeah, Avenger like, what, like, why are we concerned? Right, and, and it's it's hard to know if like if like a lot of like what's happened here is that it was like such a pocket dimension, or even the fact that like his like death, so to speak, is that he was like sucked into the. Um, the vehicle, the, right, the, the yeah. engine, yeah. you know, the multiverse so, engine. Yeah, so we say he died, but um, he, he, Scott even like hedges that a little at the end where he's like, he died, right? I think so. I That that to me felt like like the 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 movie, Scott wins. That's, that's like that. Right. But also I think that they included that specifically to be like, did he win? Did he win? Did or is it just like, like think about like, um, Captain Marvel, for example, and how she got her powers from one Infinity Stone. Yeah. One of them, and is effectively one of the most OP characters in the entire MCU at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, while like they otherwise had to defeat someone who had joined all of the Infinity Stones together. So it's like, she has an insane amount of power. For all intents and purposes, Kang, who was already insanely powerful, just got sucked into an orb that seems even more powerful than the Infinity Gauntlet. Right. So it's like, I have a feeling whatever he got sucked into is probably some type of weird trippy situation like Scott yeah, went into where there right. were millions of Scots and they had to right. whatever. I have a feeling something's gonna happen and Kang is going to defeat all of his other selves and become ultra powered and like- Yeah, like mega Kang. The, yeah, like the, the scariest Kang <clears throat> just became even scarier, but we're not gonna see that for a while, a yeah. While. In the meantime, we can deal with this Council of Kings. Who also, I am sure, will all be incredibly formidable. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, so that's that's definitely gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. Um, yeah. But like, really, I, yeah, I, I guess it was like, it was, it felt like the movie set itself up several times for like, okay, Ant-Man can win, but there will be like a catch or something. Yes. And like, ultimately, no catches. Which I think like, like going in, like I was like, there he he goes to like leave and he's got his little orb and it'd be so easy for him to just sit in his little chair and be like see ya i'm out right but instead he's like no i built an empire and i'm taking it with me right and it was like okay so and then i was like okay here's what they're gonna stop him from taking the whole empire but right. he'll still get out yes and that'll be like the 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 sort of win ant-man and the crew guy <laughs> or it's like well we saved Cassie, but now we're all stuck here, including him. Yeah. You know, well, or or we, we got everyone out, but now Scott and Hope are stuck in the quantum realm. And it's like, nope, none of that. No, nothing. They, they definitely <laughs> they definitely gave the old fake Aruski a few yeah. times where it was like, oh, the portal closed. And oh, now like now it's only Scott there. Oh, no, none Hope's back there, too. Oh, and then the portal's closed. Oh, and then it's opened again. OK, they're out. Yeah, I'm Pardon the brief interruption, but I just want to ask you to pull up a chair, make yourself comfortable and welcome to the scenic route. As you can very clearly see, it is scenic. But more importantly, today's episode is brought to you by Honey, the easy way to save whether you're shopping on your iPhone or computer. You guys are well aware that here on this channel, we love looking for a good Easter egg or some type of like hidden detail inside of the story that gives it a little bit of extra meaning. And personally for me, when I am shopping online, that is exactly how I feel about coupon codes. I feel like if I can just save a little extra money, it's like I found something a little extra special and I'm just on top of the world. But unlike with everything we do here at Super 
Cooper Carlin brothers were hunting through films frame by frame, looking for those hidden details, looking for coupon codes is not nearly as much fun. And that is why I love Honey because it makes that search the thing of the past. And the way that it works is incredibly simple. Just imagine you're shopping on your favorite website online. You got all your stuff in your cart. You get to check out. Honey will pop up and click apply coupons. It will automatically scour the internet for the best coupon code and just apply it right away. Many of you may know that I am personally a recently new father, which means that I am frequently up in the middle of the night. So I have been in the market for a bathrobe that I can put on so I have something warm and cozy to wear while I'm moseying about the house in the middle of the night. In an effort to soften the blow of being up in the middle of the night when I'm completely exhausted, I was going to spend a little bit more than I typically would for something like this because quite frankly, I want it to be soft and cozy. But then at checkout, Honey totally came through for me with a 20% off coupon code, making my purchase way closer to my initial robe budget. And to be honest with you guys, I don't usually even have a robe budget at all. And the best part is, is that it is free and easy to use. So Honey was able to grant me savings on my new robe, which now also grants me the ability to be soft and cozy in the middle of the night. It's a win-win. And as ever, Honey doesn't just work on your desktop. It actually works on your iPhone as well. Simply launch the app inside of Safari and boom, you're on your rate of savings. And you can get PayPal Honey for free when you head on over to joinhoney.com slash J versus B. Again, it's going to be joinhoney.com slash J versus B. It is absolutely free. Joinhoney.com slash J versus B. Link in the description down below. Oh, okay, well, I guess while I wait for Ben so we can finish this review, I can tell you about today's other sponsor, ExpressVPN. Guys, a few decades ago, private citizens used to be, well, exactly that, private. But then the internet came along and made things, well, a lot more difficult. Think about the internet as like a vast multiverse where everything is being tracked. Everything you've browsed, watched, looked at, tweeted, searched for. Now imagine a big bad, a Kang-like entity going through and aggregating all of that information, creating a public record of you. Personally, I don't like that idea. And hot take, I don't like Kang. And I especially don't like the idea of him gathering all my information. And in much the same way, I don't like big data brokers collecting all my information and then just selling it off to advertisers. And that is a very real thing that is absolutely happening to you right now. There are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole job is literally just to collect and sell your information. And one of their absolute most important pieces of information is your IP address. But with ExpressVPN, it's like having a quantum tunnel between you and the multiverse. It just redirects and encrypts all of your information so that nobody can get to it. Not only that, but it gives you a random IP address, which is also shared by other ExpressVPN users, making it nearly impossible for other third-party sites to collect your data. So if you're like me and believe that your data is your business, then secure all of that data with the number one VPN on the market, ExpressVPN. Just head over to expressvpn.com slash jverseb to get an extra three months free. Again, that is express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash jverseb for an extra three months free. One more time, expressvpn.com slash jverseb. Link is in the description down below. There is one scene in particular that I also felt like could have been a very clear setup where um, I think it is when Hope is coming into that weird void where all the multiple Scots exist and they're trying to like get inside of the engine and they throw the pin particle at it and it like sort of sizzles and then falls on the ground. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, maybe we have to throw a bunch of them instead. Yeah. And even that I felt like could have been like the, the tiniest little like, okay, he doesn't have a fully functioning pin particle, but there's like one that might be left. One that he can study. One that he could study yeah. and potentially like figure out, uh, even if it takes like 
a long, long time or something like right. that. So, but I agree with you. I almost certainly thought that what they were gonna do was was end the movie successfully escaping, having like the people of the quantum realm overtake his empire or whatever, like knock him down to power. And that eventually, and that what he was really gonna wanna do is escape with a vengeance and be more okay escaping on his own without like a fully equipped army right. to come with him. Um, that being said though, so obviously like while he's down there, he's gotten an enormous amount of stuff done. There's the setup very early in the movie, which is this like blink and you miss it moment where they're talking about these ants that have like successfully created their own like hyper technology yeah. inside of like the lab that Cassie's been working out of. Right, because uh, they went through been... some sort of like time field and experienced a thousand years of life. Yes, um, <clears throat> I would say that, that that whole setup I thought was was kind of interesting. Because again, in, in my mind at this point in time, I have shifted from this much, 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 much bigger story and am now just looking at it as like an Ant-Man movie. Yeah, And I feel like there is a couple of like comments about like, you know, are there ants down here and stuff like that? Like there aren't ants down here. And it's sort of like, at this point in time, you know, like the only real thing that they've got going for them is like the size changing thing. Yeah. But the ants are usually pretty important to the Ant-Man character. They usually are, yeah. Like, especially in the Ant-Man movies, like they use the ants a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this, this was like one of those things where, um, I thought it was, I thought that it was fun and interesting. And I felt like the explanations were, were such that like it tracked where it was almost like they fell through their own wormhole. They've been down here for like a thousand years. They've already been able to like reach whatever stage of societal colonization, technology development that like, you know, could be observed in other technologies and societies yeah. throughout the courses, you know, of history and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do feel like it gave um, Hank a moment towards the end where, where you've got like one of those like Star Wars-esque battles where it's sort of like, you know, the the rebels arrive and then the the empire shows up and they're on their heels and then the good guys show up and they start to battle back a little bit, but then, you know, and it's like, right. it's this like tilting back and there, forth of like where the momentum is. And, yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Star Wars because I felt like throughout this movie, there was a lot of like, well, it's just Star Wars right there. Right, Kind yes. of moments like, like, sure enough, when the ants show up, I mean, the scene looked like, or maybe it wasn't even the ants, it was just like the freedom fighter showing up from Cassie's call. Yeah. Even, even the call itself and then all the ship showing up, it was like, this scene is just directly out of The Rise of Skywalker, like when Lando shows up with the rebellion. Oh, whatever. sure, sure, it was sure, like, yes. This is the same scene. This is that right scene. There. And then like Kang is, and at one point Kang's like, I built an empire. They're using the word empire. They're showing these like drone, these like square fields of his like, you know, faceless troopers. And it's just like, it's just right out of Attack of the Clones. This is the same scene from Attack of the Clones. They're, they're stormtroopers. Yeah, those are stormtroopers. They're like, oh, let's go to the local cantina and pick up a ship. And it's like, that's Han Solo. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. doing the thing. Right. Like, yeah. You're not wrong. There's yeah. there a lot of Star Wars. <laughs> There's a lot of Star this. Wars in this movie. Um, that was that was like a, a piece of the of this underground world building that I felt like I did struggle with just just a tiny bit. Like I'm not going to try to like harp on it too aggressively because it, it is different. But like. Um, like when they enter like that cantina or whatever. And, and I know that like a lot of movies at this point in time, cause there's a lot of stuff that has, that have now done like what Star Wars wasn't as specifically competing with in 1977 when mm -hmm. it first came out, which is like all these like kind of like unusual alien based creatures and everything. It's like all of them are like so ingenuitive and creative and, and whatever. But like when, when they walked into that cantina, I was like, this doesn't feel the same as walking into the cantina, um, you know, like yeah. on, on Tatooine. On Tatooine, yeah, and you're right. I did feel like the movie maybe struggled a tiny bit with like 
the use of special effects, which is, you know, nothing new for, you know, Marvel movies. I know it's kind of been like a, a bit of like a, like VFX artists right now are just like working extreme overtime. It is like a total scarcity in like the industry because like people are just like, everyone is trying to do the same things. And then he's like, movie after movie has more and more and more of it. And it's like, there's only so many people who have this, yeah, this ability. ability. Yeah. I, I felt like there was a lot, of, there was a lot of moments where I did think, that like the um the like i felt like maybe the lighting did seem like just a tiny bit off or like you know the like you could almost tell that like like there's a little bit of like a like an issue of like shadowing on one half of their face that was this was especially true in that um in the scene with bill murray um where where it felt like the world around them, like they're sitting in like a green screen environment, not, yeah. like a, not like a practically built set. Right. And um, I felt like I was really seeing it there a lot. And even at times I almost felt like, and it could have just been our movie screen that we were viewing it on. It almost seemed like their faces were like, like squished in or something oh, like that. Hmm. Like almost like they were needing to like okay. borrow some of the shape of their face in order to like backfill, like what would otherwise have been like green screen. Oh. Um, I don't know. I didn't, yeah, I wasn't like, noticing that, but. Um, I'm not a practical effects artist or a special effects artist or any of those types of things. All, all I could tell is that it seemed like it seemed like there was a, just a tiny little bit of like like it wasn't quite right. Okay. Um, and yeah, so then then you enter like the like the world building otherwise, and I did think that there was like some interesting things like the um, like when you're when you're in that like little um, like primitive civilization that Scott and Cassie go into and like the buildings like come to life. Oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, and they were like, yeah. the buildings come to life? And it's like, yours are Don't. dead? Yours are dead? <laughs> it's like, I wouldn't say they're dead. They just weren't ever alive. In the first place, yeah. yeah. But it's like, that's like a great piece of like, um, uh, like uh, difference that I could imagine just if you were to go to like a different universe entirely. It's like, some nobody would take it for granted. It's like, buildings are alive. Right? right, like that's that's yeah, everyone how, knows that that's how we have buildings. Like, right, they're living creatures, and we just live inside of them. Right, um, it seems like you wouldn't call them buildings. Maybe not. Right, maybe you would call yeah. them something. You call them something else because you right. didn't build them. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like the root word of building. <laughs> yeah, has to deal with building. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, a little, little bit of that there. Um, and I mean, so yeah, basically, I guess the, the major, major, major conflict of the movie is you pretty much have the situation where, where again, I feel like you have what they've established as this like potentially like potentially tenuous relationship between Cassie and Scott. And then obviously like Cassie is taken. And then Scott is put in this position of sort of like, like in this case, it's almost like the, there's like the, um, like his own personal individual level, like need and want to save Cassie right. as his daughter versus the absolute potential eminent danger that would come from releasing Kang right. into the world. Right. Um, so while nobody would ever fault anybody for attempting to save their child, uh, I do think the the ethical dilemma that he is presented with is basically like, do I basically like unleash the most evil of evil on right. not just our planet, but like the multiverse. The multiverse. Like realities beyond realities, galaxies beyond galaxies. It's yeah. like it's like it is like a very, very difficult place to, you know, oh, like for find sure. yourself in. Yeah. But yeah, and he's watching his like daughter get tortured. And it I mean, it, it felt to me like he's like, I, I basically have to agree to this in the moment and then I'll figure out stopping him later. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is I mean, I guess what they ultimately do. Right. But like it's also I I couldn't tell if maybe this was like uh 
like when when Kang's just sitting there like messing with them, like moving them around with his telekinesis or whatever his arms can do, like it's like I, I don't understand like later in the movie why he's resorted to like physically punching him instead of just like being like whoop. Like I, I they show like his arm being damaged. It was like, was that the technology you were using to do that earlier? Is that why you have to like now physically fight him? I think I think there was a couple things going on there. Yeah. I think the the suit is definitely relevant. Cause I do I do think at one point in time Janet says like he didn't have a ship, but he did have a suit. Like I got him like halfway. Right. So I do think the suit must have done something rather remarkable sure. to his abilities. Um and my my suspicion is that it's of his own devising that like yeah. that is his own that is his own tech but maybe like he can't like recreate it given the materials he has on hand or something sure um <clears throat> the other thing i think they really really wanted to show you is just how absolutely jackhammered uh um, yeah jonathan majors is jonathan majors is yeah. who, if you haven't seen any of the previews for creed 3 um he is just absolutely as our trainer would say yoked yoked um he is he is very very strong and i do think that it was fun uh to see that battle between uh between scott and kang at the end because i mean it's like like we said before i mean there was something about it that like we've seen characters you know fight each other a bunch there was something about this that i did think was pretty compelling it was it yeah was it was like, really good like choreography and whatever yeah um again effect or what, whatever they were doing to make it seem like he was moving so fast yeah was like without making it look like a superpower or something was really cool yes yeah, yeah. so uh <clears throat> definitely definitely like thought that I, th I thought it was cool to see him as powerful as he was like with telekinesis powers which are obviously incredibly op in situations like this because you can just stand there and pretty much control everybody with like yeah. a flick of a wrist uh but then also cool just to see like how formidable he is just as as a yeah even just by himself without anything else yes yeah. um so anyway, uh, all that said though, I do think it would be a great time to pause for just a second before we dive into uh, the um, scores and everything, okay. kind of over overview and uh, hop quickly over to our quiz masters over on Patreon who have provided us a couple of short uh, reviews that they came up with themselves about okay. how they felt about the movie. Maybe we can respond, agree or disagree. All right, let's hear them. Okay, review number one is going to come from uh, Snape's cat who says, we finally get the evil king and it was so worth the wait. Four and a half stars overall for the entire film. Oh man, all right, four and a half out of five. Four. Solid from Snape's cat there. Solid from Snape's cat. What would that translate to in our hundred scores? Let's see, you need like 4.5 times 20, right? Yeah, 80, math. 90. 90. 90. 90. Yeah. yeah, we can yeah, math. We can math. Great. 90. 90. 9 out of 10. Yeah. Okay, okay. Just double it. That's um, basically. Interestingly, good. following that, we have one from Dola who says, loved it. Definitely <clears throat> makes me look forward to, to what's coming in the MCU. 9 out of 10. Man, so everyone's right there at the 9 out of 10. Right at, right at the same Crazy. scores. Um, <clears throat> I would agree, I think, a little bit with Dola there who, like, you know, looking forward to, like, the future of the MCU. I do think that all of the various Kangs opens a door for just like a myriad of unique and interesting narratives. All sorts of stuff. Where, like, yeah. you're, where you're also getting to like follow a character that you're then familiar with. Yeah, I will say I thought the um, that like first post credit scene where you see like the Council of Kangs sort of assembling, like while I'm sure they're going to be menacing and dangerous and awful, like they were like showing the group shot of them all just sort of like screaming and stuff like, ah! I was like, it almost felt like a little silly to me. Like the the king we just saw wasn't acting like this. Oh yeah, you yeah, know? right. Like, like okay. I, I think right. that that's that's got to be defining like sort of like the your stormtrooper kings. Yeah, you know, it's like 
it's like you've got the ones who who clearly we saw there outlined, um, you know, in like the the three the three big ones. There's yeah. like sort of a technologically advanced one, um, sort of like a sorcerer looking one, and then like the, the Egyptian looking one. Egyptian looking feels one, like yeah. that's like a Moon Knight kind of connection of us for sure. That could be pretty interesting. Yeah, that could be pretty interesting. So yeah, curious to see if those big three uh, specifically, uh, since they outlined them so obviously. Yeah, I will say, I will say, everybody's been doing those like AI art things over the past couple. of of years yeah. inside of that final scene, I was like, it almost seems like they took Jonathan Major's image and dropped it into like this oh, AI yeah. art simulator and came up with like, this is like the Ready Player One looking Jonathan Majors. Right. This is like an Egyptian looking Jonathan Majors. This is Sorcerer <laughs> Jonathan Majors. Right. It's like that, I, I, it was in the back of my mind. I don't think it was done poorly or anything. I just I, I just couldn't help but think about yeah. that. I know some of those are like comic, I recognize a few from like some comic images of Kang as well. Okay, okay. But um, Okay, anyway, what's our next review? Uh, next review is gonna come from Kyle, who said it was great. It felt longer than two hours in a great way. I give it a 73 out of 100. So I almost feel like that praise feels uh, separate from the score. Yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah, it seems like the, the scores on the other one were definitely higher. Yes, yep. Okay, um, I would say that too. Like it was, it felt longer, but when I got out, I was like, oh, it's only like nine o'clock right now. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, so, I, I think I agree with that as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's where, uh, I again, I felt like it kind of had a slow start and like a strong finish. Yeah. Um, this, uh, the next one here from Call says, uh, over. I overall enjoyed this film. I think it has pacing issues. Kang should have been more present throughout. It was entertaining and makes me excited for the future of the MCU. I think this is the main thing is that like, it definitely makes me very excited for the rest of the MCU. Yes. Like it's like, okay, so much is coming up here. And I think I mean, that's probably a good thing for the first movie of a new phase to do is be like, all right, are you ready? Let's go. Let's reignite some enthusiasm. Setup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an interesting piece because I kept saying like how I felt like it, it wasn't like an end game level event. And yet I'm still thinking of it now as like, I can't wait to see what else happens. Yeah. You know, it's like it did set up a lot. So that, yeah. that's it. That's pretty interesting. Uh, I think the pacing, I would, I, I'm going to personally say it goes back to that first, the, the beginning. Yeah, the beginning part. Um, yeah, the, yeah. First, the first third, I think was just a little soft. Uh, Anthony S says, it was one of the best Marvel movies since The Way Home, but, but it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Mm, okay, okay. I Honestly, I think I'm right on board with you. Yeah. Right there. Best since The Way Home. I like, I mean, Doctor Strange was good. Had, had like a weird third act there when he gets all dead and stuff. I would rather have uh, uh, a weird first act than a weird third act. That's personally. true. I liked it more than Multiverse of Madness. More than Multiverse of Madness? Okay, yeah. where, where does it, where, where do you put against Wakanda forever? It's probably the other next best movie from I think Phase it was better four. than Wakanda Forever too. Yeah. Okay. I do. Um, yeah, and I I think I had more criticisms of Wakanda Forever. Um, I th like that was a tough one because I thought it was like I thought it was honestly like beautiful and mm -hmm. there was like, a lot of stuff that was really good, but it was very long and there were aspects of it where I was just like. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I still struggle with it. And the other thing too, this is like a big one that I feel like for me is there's there's always that theater experience that you have to put value on, which is like when you were sitting in the theater with your popcorn, were you just like enamored with the movie? Uh, and, and then also like following that experience, it's the like, how much did, did it cause you to think about the film yeah. in its wake? Right. And I, I do think like like uh, WandaVision, for example, like was so like it, it like, like won yeah, the, the platinum. 11 medal. out of 10 for yeah. that one. It's like, you know, I would leave, I would leave an episode and be like, 
I can't th I can't think about anything else if I wanted to. Oh my gosh, yeah. The the eight weeks in which WandaVision was coming out, like it was it took up like 90% of my thoughts. Like yeah. I was dreaming about WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun. Uh finally we have Geek Teach here who says a great transition into phase five. Characters we know and love and a plot we can follow without researching everything. I will enjoy seeing it again. That's true. It did feel like despite the massive amount of content you got in phase four, like you didn't need to have seen almost any of it to g g jump right in here and be like, yeah, Ant-Man. Yes, yeah, and and so that's, again, like I said at the beginning of this, like I, I have largely felt like the MCU had had maybe lost its way a little bit, like it was maybe struggling a little bit more. Like I, it didn't feel uh, like, like I was leaving every movie with the same kind of like mind blown experience. Yeah. Well, phase four was definitely like very experimental in a lot of ways. Like it was the first Marvel phase that had like the Disney plus shows right. as a real big part of it. Like, I guess, I guess earlier on they had like the ABC agents of shield and they had like the Netflix shows, but then those became non-canon and stuff. Uh, so they, they had, yeah, they had a lot of TV shows that had some like one-off specials, like the guardians Christmas special, like the Emma bloodstone, uh, like Halloween special thing. Yeah, yeah. Had a lot of stuff that was like, it was it was a lot to consume. They had some like movies that were for some characters you'd never heard of, characters that were already dead, just sort of to introduce like the new Black Widow and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So I I think it's it's sort of it's sort of hopped around everywhere. I to me I personally just felt like I was watching just a good superhero movie. Yeah. Um And it doesn't mean that it was with, without its fault. I mean, see the first third of this review. Um, there were there were certainly aspects of it that I felt like I was like kind of like all right but by the end of it you know it was sort of just like you're 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 seeing ant-man do what ant-man does uh you're you're seeing a situation where you're sort of like i don't know how he's going to get out of this one and then like the explanation felt like reasonable and okay to me uh i think kang is incredibly compelling and there's a lot to be said for like what he's going to represent in the future of uh the series so you know, um, by, by the end of it, you know, it was like, I, I, I definitely had that sense sitting in my seat in the theater. I was like, I'm having fun, you know? Like, yeah. like it's, I don't know that it will like cause me to like rethink everything necessarily, um, but you I- mean, okay, like, like- Like WandaVision did. Oh, like WandaVision, okay. Um, yeah, okay. like I don't, I don't know that I will like continue to be like, oh, but what about, oh, does this mean that? Like, I, I don't know that it like cracked like a million doors open that I now feel like I need to go in and explore or anything. But. I, okay, I'm gonna call it right now. Give it like another two weeks and there's gonna be so many videos on YouTube that are gonna say like, Kang was right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. There was, he did have like a fairly compelling line at one point where he's like, where, you know, he's arguing with Hope and he's like, you're going to kill trillions of people. And he's like, I wish that mattered. And he's like, I want that to matter. I want that to have to do it, but it doesn't matter because of that, because you can't see the whole story and I can. Right. And I was like, a, that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I have to kill trillions of people, but if I don't, literally everyone will die. Because yeah. that's how it is. That's how it is. It's like, mm. I mean, that's big Thanos that's, energy. That's big Thanos energy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like, I think it does matter. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I think I think that this is sort of like, um, you know, everybody has the right to like to make the mistakes of of their existence. You know, it's like, it's like I think that that's probably a huge piece of like you can you can see where we're all where all of creation is in some <clears throat> way, shape, or form 
flawed, but just because it's not perfect doesn't mean it doesn't need to exist. Sure, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's a lot of like what superhero stuff comes down to, especially from a villain's perspective, is yeah. they're like, it's not worth it. We may as well not do it at all. And it's like, well, I don't what? think that's true either because there's those yeah. shining moments that glimmer through where people do amazing and you know great things and it makes all of it worth it. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think there's a, a big piece of that as well. But I will be curious to see if you're right. Cause I know the whole, even in the MCU, the Thanos was right, like mugs and t-shirts and yeah you know whatever it's like like there are people who are like i can sort of see where Thanos is coming, coming from. from but great sign of great villain is uh like on some some level understanding like where they're coming from um and and i even feel like when you talk to uh he who remains at the end of loki um there's a piece of that going on as well it's like you can like you can tell that this is a this is someone who has like struggled you know to yeah. um to to figure out like what is the right well, it's interesting having seen Loki where like hope when you're watching, uh, sorry, Janet Van Dyne talk to him. It's like, you know, it's like, you're going to kill off entire timeline timelines. And it's like, hope it's like, Janet, if you watched Loki, I don't know why you didn't, but like, that's already been happening. It's been oh, happening sure. like basically forever. Right. <laughs> He's been doing it for so long. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, there were there were a couple of moments where I felt like his palace reminded me a lot of the TVA, which I thought was kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, so like even like, like his like when he was looking at his empire, it was like this is not that different from Loki seeing the TVA for the first time. Yes, like this is the kind of thing he does. He just like gets somewhere, establishes power, and just like and just builds, just builds. So that would be a big question. I'd be curious to see if if anybody theorizes about is like <clears throat> is the TVA from Loki in the quantum realm? Oh. Um, I it almost has to be. It almost has to be because it feels like it feels like that's how they define the quantum realm. Right. It is like, like a time space exist here or whatever. Right. Yes. Um, so that, yeah. Okay. This is a weird thing. At one point, he's just like, like when Scott is thinking at the end, he's like, but he said that thing about if I didn't let him escape, then like more of him would come, and that would be a bad thing. So did I just kill everybody? And it was like, okay, this is a that's like a, a weird sentiment because he says like if you don't let me escape, more of me will come. But it's like. Yeah, but if Scott hadn't gone down there at all, you also never would have escaped and the other people would have come. And also, like, it seems like they suddenly know that the one who was exiled is dead, but time isn't supposed to exist down there. So how do you know that a lot of them are about to come if you don't escape, if time doesn't exist? I, okay, you know? so here, here's gonna be my, my, like, my thought on that <laughs> is that like, I almost think that there's a, like a weird situation where it's like, like, Kang Prime, who I'm gonna call the one in the quantum realm who was banished, it's like, was such a massive threat to all other Kangs that they were like, he needs to be stashed away. And even if he is stashed away, we're not sure we can act. And I almost think that like the loss of him almost is like, we stashed him away. That didn't mean he couldn't escape. But now if he's gone, gone, we can go have fun. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's possible that like when it comes to the Kangs, if they are all as like formidable as each other, it's it's almost like that's that's the problem. It's like it's like the Hydra situation. You you cut one head off and three right. more grow out. Yeah. It's almost like it's like somehow defeating the most dangerous Kang who would do terrible things, but also kept all of the other Kangs in check means that like you've gotten rid of the most dangerous one, but now all of the other slightly less dangerous ones are now like have free reign. Right. And it's like, I have no idea if Kang is incredibly aware of like how his multiversal existence is kept in check 
by himself. Right. You know, and then because even at the at the end of time, uh, you know, where Loki ends up with Sylvie, is it it seems like that's effectively like what he's doing as well. Like he who remains job is to try to like prevent all the other timelines from existing because yeah, if they so don't exist, then, then other, other kings, kings can't, can't exist. exist. Yeah. So like, And then like yeah, when he when he dies, he's like, see you soon. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now sure enough, there's a bazillion of them. Right. So that's yeah. it, it's two times now that we've seen a Kang die and the result of Kang dying means there will be more Kangs. Right. Yeah, it is interesting. It is. Inter it makes you wonder if the exiled Kang was the Kang, like he who remains, because like, like he's supposedly like the one who won. He like killed the rest of them. Right. And like made it a single timeline. So just he exists. He's like, oh, I'm gone now. Um, so, yeah, I don't obviously it's hard to know. It's hard to know because now that the exiled Kang is dead or not dead or not dead. Yeah. Much, yeah. To, much to consider. What did you think about, speaking of Loki, the, the post post credit scene? Well, for one, I, I absolutely love Mobius yeah. and Loki's dynamic. And it was like, we got like three and a half <laughs> seconds, seconds of it. it. And I was like, I want more. <laughs> I want more. I want more right now. Yeah. Um, was it the first time they've ever done a Disney Plus uh, like post credit, post -credit scene? scene? Might have been. Yeah. Might have been. Um, so that was that was certainly interesting yeah. to see, uh, like that that setup for that. Um, I I couldn't tell like you know the specific Kang that they were going to look at reminded me a lot of like a, like a Tesla like yeah. like person who was like ahead of their time Told with me he was gonna be terrifying yeah yeah yes he, he is it's funny that Loki is like like. Listen. So afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, man, that must mean something because Loki's pretty arrogant. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, it could, dude. It was bothering me so much how like Kang's overconfidence was his downfall, like five times in this movie. Oh, sure. Like his, he's like, so this is, I mean, this is such a villain trope where they're so arrogant that they just like, oh, whatever. I don't need to win right now because I could win whenever I want to. And it's like, nope, should just won right then. Right. Don't be so stupid about it. Yeah. But like the very beginning when they, when him and Janet rebuild the orb and he's just like, yep, I could escape right now or I could go have this little like spat with you. Right, it, yeah. it seemed like, it seemed like especially at this point in time, he's got a suit bag. He basically could have just like, she's standing there next to it, like touches yeah. the telekinesis motor thing, whatever that like yeah. allows her to see inside of his mind uh, and then knows everything. It seems like in that moment, all he really needed to do was like, <laughs> yeah, see ya. See ya. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, same thing later, it's like, uh, well, it's Scott. Scott's coming out in a big Ant-Man suit. Just be like, see ya. Or like, even later, he like, he knocks Scott down. He's like going over to sit in the chair. It's just like, see ya. Like, just go through the portal, man. Like, stop beating him up. It's like, there's like five times in the movie where it's like, you could have just walked away and won. And he right. just didn't. And it yeah. was just because it was the same reason every single time. It's like, you're, it's such a glaring weakness that you're not learning from. Yeah, and villain's gonna villain. Villain's gonna villain, I guess. But yeah, I guess that's what, I guess if, if they weren't that era, they couldn't be a villain to begin with. I, I know. Suppose. That's like the yeah, like the Voldemort thing. It's the Voldemort thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like if he was capable of of showing remorse, then he never could have become right. who he was in the first yeah, place. If he was capable of recognizing the ramifications of his actions, then he wouldn't have done them. Yeah. yeah exactly. So yeah. anyway, uh, that being said, I feel like we're at a good spot to yeah. to deliver our scores All for right. the film. Yeah. Um, I will go first this time. Go I feel for like it. I normally make you go first. Mm. I overall gave it an eighty-four. Okay. All um, right. I, I can show you on here, I'm a little bored here, but I gave it I gave it a 78. 
A 78, yep. okay, okay. Yep. So at. this is, I feel like, um, a less common occasion. I feel like here in the recent years, I've, I've grown more cynical and you uh, maintain your like childlike exuberance That's as me. per always. I do feel like it's, a, it's an uncommon <coughs> circumstance uh, for me to have preferred it to you. I do, yeah, I think typically my score is a little bit higher. It's not that I di didn't enjoy the movie. I thought it was very good. I mean, I think still like 78, still pretty high up there. Yeah. Um, I think it was just like, it was exactly what you were talking about earlier where uh, I, I, I left the movie theater and it just like fell out of my brain. You know, like I didn't really think about it a ton. I had to come in here and write the reviews this morning. I was like, I got like a couple pages into like writing my notes and I was like, oh yeah, MODOK. I gotta talk about MODOK. Like I almost like forgot he was in the movie. Interesting, you interesting, know? interesting. Okay. Like there was, and, I, and then, you know, there's, there's plenty to say and I'm, I am excited for the future of the MCU um all together and i think i'm so excited to see more of kang but like overall i was just like that there was just like a little i don't know maybe i was just nitpicking too much but i didn't walk away like that was the best movie i ever saw yes yeah, yeah. well and and i will tell you that like while i was sitting there in the theater like again i was i was getting that first third of the movie and i was sitting there thinking like am i am i trying to be critical like i was genuinely asking myself that right. i was like like is it the case that I'm like trying to not like it for some reason? Because like, because I was like, because I was frustrated with it and because I have been frustrated with the MCU lately in general. And so I'm sitting there just thinking to myself, like, what if, what if I just try to have fun too? And I feel like it came at just like the exact right moment because it ended up being the moment in the movie that was like the shift for me yeah. to where I ended up, then it, I just ended up having fun and kind yeah. of being like sucked I mean, I still had fun with it. I thought yeah. like the fight scenes were fun. I thought the action was creative. Um, I thought, you know, the story was uh, original, um, but overall I just, yeah, I didn't, it didn't leave me like, like this crazy wow factor that right. I sometimes feel after Marvel movies. Well, and again, I think I, that's, that's for me where I, where I felt like when it became an Ant-Man movie and not, you weren't asking it to be anything else. I was right. like, I can, I can give it a lot more because then even like the, the, the horde of ants at the end, basically being like the, you know, the, the Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was sort of like, it was like, but it's an Ant Man. But it's an Ant Man movie. It's like movie. you have to have ants come in. Like right. you know, we forgot about them. Remember, they were in the ant farm in the beginning, and they went off and lived on their own and like built civilizations and everything. It's like, yeah. of course, of course. Uh, and and to be fair to the way that they set it up, like Hank does have those couple of moments where he's like kind of like okay. twitching his ear, and you're like, they lead you to believe, and maybe this is even why they had the goo be a thing because yeah. it's like it's like is he almost hearing something, like, like because of that, mm -hmm. you know, because of the goo or whatever. Right. Like, is, is it like almost like, is he like teetering between things or something? Um, and so it was interesting, like when they like hailed back to it, it's like, oh yeah, he did like kind of like reach for his ear a couple of times. Like it was set up. Yeah. So I thought it was good. Um, anyway, as ever, very curious to hear your thoughts at home, what you thought of the movie. If you've seen it already, be sure to let us know in the towel section down below. Um, but I think for us until next time, bye. bye.